Welcome to Healthy and Happy, a program sponsored by the East Jamaica Conference of Seventh-day Adventists and aired right here on NZUFM. It's your education and yes, your wellness station. We have so much in store for you this week, so we invite you to stay tuned. I'm your host, Adis Jonas Murphy. Rejoice in this Thank you so very much for keeping it locked to NCUFM. It's your education and wellness station. Frequencies 91.1, 91.3, and 91.5 only on your FM dial. I'm so delighted, I'm so pleased, I'm so privileged to have in studio with me this evening Dr. Sandrika Young. Peart. Dr. Peart serves as a consultant pediatrician and also a pediatric nephrologist. Wow, doc, those are two <laughs> long words, I should say. But break it down for us. Really, what do you do? Good evening, everyone. And thank you, Addis, for having me. My no pleasure. So I studied pediatrics mm-hmm. after completing my medical school. And having completed that degree, it made me a consultant pediatrician. And subsequently, I studied in Canada mm-hmm. at McGill University and completed two years doing a fellowship in pediatric nephrology. And so I'm a, also a pediatric nephrologist, which means that I am specialized in mm-hmm. the area of studying anything that affects the kidneys down to the bladder and urethra. Tell me, Doc, why? I mean, so many persons are led to different areas of specialization because they think it's their calling or, you know, it's just an area that they've always wanted to explore. What was it for you? What led you to specialize in pediatric nephrology? Um, There was the passion, but I think it more found me as opposed to me (laughs) (laughs) actually going aggressively after Mm. it. There was the dire need at the time in Mm. the island for a pediatric nephrologist, especially in the public sector, as the current pediatric nephrologist was at retirement age, mm. and there was indeed a need for continuation. Hold on. When you say current, you mean like only one in the island? At that time, there was only one pediatric nephrologist what? in the public sector. Do you have any idea as to, you know, how many they are now? I mean, you are definitely one, but... <laughs> so presently, we do have four. Uh-huh. Over the last three to four years, there has been three new pediatric nephrologists. Mm. So presently, um, I am at Boston Manti Hospital for Children. There mm-hmm. are two at the University Hospital of the West Indies. Mm-hmm. And more recently, there is presently one at Cornwall Regional Hospital. Okay. I'm in good company, ladies and gentlemen. You know, you know, should anything happen, God forbid, to my son, I know I'm coming straight to uh, Dr. Young <laughs> Peart. You know, um, since our focus is really on uh, pediatric urinary tract infections, UTIs in children, what's the function and purpose of the urinary tract, Doc? So, first and foremost, the urinary tract comprises anywhere Mm -hmm. from the kidneys to the urethra. So, you have the kidneys, you have the ureters, which connect the kidneys to the bladder. Mm -hmm. So, they are the little tubes that actually drain urine from the kidneys into the bladder. Mm -hmm. And the bladder is the storage house for the urine. And then, urine comes from the bladder through the urethra, and then that's when we void. So that pretty much encompasses the urinary tract. So you will have an upper urinary tract, and Mm -hmm. you have a lower urinary tract. So your upper urinary tract will comprise the kidneys and the ureters. 
mm-hmm. the tubes that drain the urine. Mm-hmm. And the lower urinary tract will comprise the bladder and the urethra. Hmm. And so you can actually have a upper urinary tract infection, and you can also have a lower urinary tract infection. And in some cases, the symptoms that may be associated with each mm-hmm. might be slightly different. Mm. So let's say, for example... Hold on, don't go into the symptoms yet, Amanda. <laughs> don't, go, don't go there just yet. But um, l- let's look at what the infection is. What, how would you define a urinary tract infection? So a urinary tract infection is simple, an infection along the tract. Mm-hmm. So what is an infection, though? An infection is really a colonization or a significant growth of bacteria mm-hmm. um, that occurs within different aspects of this urinary tract that I previously described. Mm. And it may depend on the method of how the urine is actually collected. So in some cases, if you get the urine directly from the bladder, any growth Mm -hmm. would be considered a urinary tract infection. Mm. However, if you put like a catheter or a tube through Mm -hmm. the urethra to collect the urine, then a growth of probably 10,000 colony-forming units may be significant. Mm -hmm. And then if you were to catch the middle part of the urine when you void... Once you collect two samples, Mm -hmm. then you may need a greater growth, like 100,000 colony forming units per mill, for then that to be classified as a urinary tract infection. Mm -hmm. So you basically would need a urine culture Mm -hmm. to... um, to categorize a urine, a urinary tract infection. But you can also do a preliminary office or bedside test in that you could do a urine dipstick. Mm-hmm. And that will kind of give you an idea or maybe suggestive of a urinary tract infection if you may see leukocytes or nitrites. Mm-hmm. And in some cases, there may just be blood that you actually see. And that may indicate that there could be a urinary tract infection. Wow. Okay. You see, I, I don't want to take it for granted. You know, I'm so happy for the definition. I don't want to take it for granted that we all know um, what infections are and in particular how they relate in this instance to the urinary tract. But um, since we're speaking uh, again about PD urinary tract infections, what kind of children are at risk for developing UTI? So in general, mm-hmm. persons whose immune system are weak, so the immunocompromised um, children. Mm-hmm. So in particular, this would relate to more like the babies, the neonates, right. as well as those who may be on medications that make their immune system weak, mm-hmm. such as cancer patients. Um, some of the renal patients who may be on steroids, or HIV patients. So that would be one category. The other category may actually have structural abnormalities of the urinary tract, meaning that they were born with an abnormal urinary tract, Mm -hmm. in that it may be that they may have um, something that may obstruct Mm -hmm. the normal flow of urine. And in general, what we call stasis or anything that causes the urine to stay longer in the urinary tract or the bladder Mm -hmm. puts you at increased risk. So in some cases, when we may feel the urge to void Mm -hmm. and we are there and we hold up, we decide to hold up the urine and we um, we fold our legs and so forth. Or sometimes the children may be too busy watching television or watching um, their tablets and don't want to go and utilize, (laughs) go and (laughs) use the bathroom. And that in itself puts them at risk for developing urinary tract infection because the urine is in the bladder or um, for a much longer period than it should be. Mm. 
All right, so this is a public service announcement, especially our children who are listening. Do not hold your urine. Hmm. All right, so we're back with you, Doc. <laughs> we're looking now at signs and symptoms. What are some of the signs, what are some of the, the symptoms of uh, having a urinary tract infection? What should parents look out for in their children? Well, signs and symptoms vary depending on the age group. Mm. So, like, our babies who, mm-hmm. are, who, are, who are just born or they may be less than three months, they may not show any specific signs. They may just be fussy, miserable, or they may be just vomiting a lot. Right. Um, they may have a fever, or you may just um, realize that there may be a red stain in the diaper, mm-hmm. or they may just not be feeding well. And mm. in addition, for the boys, you may realize that instead of they, instead of them having a nice urine stream mm-hmm. where the urine shoots out at you, right. there may be some dribbling, which may suggest some um, evidence of obstruction. Okay. So those may be some of the signs in the younger um, infants mm-hmm. or the babies. But as the children get older, they tend to localize the signs and symptoms more to the urinary tract itself. So they may experience abdominal pain, low Mm -hmm. abdominal pain, or they may have back pain or flank pain to the area where the kidney is located. Mm. Remind us again, where, where are the kidneys? Is it to the top left-hand corner of your chest? I, listeners, I should not have been a doctor. That's why I'm not a doctor, you get me? We're, we're <laughs> so the kidneys are located to the back. Mm-hmm. So just below where the rib cage ends, at the back, that uh-huh. is where the kidneys are. And there are two kidneys. They're like bean, <laughs> bean-like um, shape. Mm-hmm. And they are located to the back on both sides. Okay. Thank you for that clarity. <laughs> so you're saying now for the older children, they may have pain close to where the kidneys are or where the kidneys are, um, abdominal pain. What else you said? So they may actually have burning on urination, Mm. right? Or they may be going to the bathroom quite often, Mm -hmm. a term we call frequency. Mm. They may also tell you that their urine smells a little funny, Mm -hmm. or they may be passing blood in the urine as well. Mm. They may experience fever with chills and raggles, or they may just be nauseous. Mm -hmm. And in some cases, they may vomit as well. Mm -hmm. So those are some of the more common signs and symptoms in the older child. In the infants, in addition to some of the symptoms I just mentioned for the younger baby, Mm -hmm. they may also have vomiting and diarrhea. Mm. And that may just be an indication Mm -hmm. that they may have a urinary tract infection. Mm. They may be fussy, miserable, irritable, Mm -hmm. um, with decreased appetite, not feeding well, Mm -hmm. with a fever as well. And those may suggest that they could have a urinary tract infection. So we normally advise our parents that if it is that your child, especially if they have an abnormal urinary tract, um, if there's a fever and your doctor is not able to find out what the cause of the fever is, that the doctor should actually check the urine. Mm. Very interesting. If you are listening to us here on Healthy and Happy, you've tuned into NCUFM 91.1, 91.3, and 91.5. I'm having a discussion with Dr. Sandrika Young-Peart. She is a consultant pediatrician and also a pediatric nephrologist. And this has been since 2017, correct, Doc? Correct. 
All right. So uh, we've been focusing on, you know, the urinary tract, what it is, what are its functions. We've also laid a definition for urinary tract infections, looked at some of the causes in children and some of the children who are at risk. We just focused a while ago on some of the signs and symptoms. Now, if I'm a parent doc, and I've noticed some of these symptoms. Obviously, my first reaction, if I'm a very good parent or a good parent, is to take my child to the doctor because something is wrong. They're experiencing discomfort. If it's an infant, you know, irritability, the crying, perhaps vomiting, perhaps the stain in their diaper. An older child will be able to better express themselves by saying, you know, mommy or daddy, abdominal pain here, feeling a pain to the back where my kidneys are. That's a sign to take my child to the doctor. So I've now taken my child to you, doc, and um, you are going to diagnose knows whether or not this is a urinary tract infection. How is that diagnosis done? The first thing I would do is order a simple test, a dipstick, Mm -hmm. and I will look at that dipstick to see if there is any evidence of leukocytes or nitrites, which may be um, suggestive, highly suggestive of a urinary tract infection. Mm -hmm. I may see leukocytes, which may tell me that there could be a possible infection. Sorry, what are leukocytes? So it's just evidence of bacteria or white cells Mm -hmm. in the urine. Mm -hmm. And that ought not to be? It's not ought to be. Mm -hmm. But in some cases, like if it is that um, there is poor hygiene um, or any form of discharge, Mm -hmm. you can actually get white cells as well. Mm -hmm. So I will look for those things on the dipstick. Mm -hmm. And uh, I may also see evidence of blood and protein on the dipstick. And if I have the full gamut of everything, then I will say, okay, this looks likely mm-hmm. like a urinary tract infection. And depending on the other symptoms or the symptoms that the child presents with, mm-hmm. I will then decide on moving on to confirm my, a urinary tract infection by u- doing a urine culture. Mm-hmm. And what we will do is then start empirical antibiotics um, based on the more common organisms that would cause a urinary tract infection in children. Mm -hmm. And we will continue these antibiotics until we get the results from the lab Mm -hmm. to confirm the urinary tract infection, what organism or what germs is growing in the urine, and what would be the better choice of antibiotics to treat this urine, um, urinary tract infection. Mm -hmm. And once we have that information, we treat a urinary tract infection for 10 days. Hmm. Okay. But you know, though, you have some folk who are uh, traditionalists in a sense, they don't believe in the modern day medicine thing and the modern day medicine vibe. You know, they're saying, well, my child has a urinary tract infection. I'll just treat it with some garlic, a natural antibiotic. What's your take on um, folk who may decide to take matters into their own hands and use natural antibiotics to rid their challenges? I'm not totally against alternative medicine <laughs> because <laughs> there, 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 is, there is some research in the use of um, um, natural cranberry juice that may actually assist or help as Ooh, well. What? But I, I, in general, I think that if it is that you are going to utilize alternative medicine, make sure that you back it up mm-hmm. with traditional medicine as well. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes what can happen is that you may not adequately 
have treat. the correct dosage. Right. Yeah. Because how do you know what amount of garlic you're supposed to give a mm. um, an infant versus a Both child? Right. <laughs> <laughs> and how often? Yes. And um, how would you know what, how this child body would react to it? Mm-hmm. Yes, there may be some partial clearance, but mm. you may not totally eliminate the organism. And then that puts the child at risk of damage to the kidneys because sometimes if the urinary tract infection is not treated promptly, Mm -hmm. you can actually get scars to the kidneys. And sometimes this can cause the development of kidney problems and high blood pressure in the child. Wow. So um, you want to ensure uh, parents that you, you stick closely to your doctor. If you suspect your child is having a UTI based on the symptoms that Doc mentioned, Doc, I want us to kind of go through this again, you know, because, um, you know, some persons may have heard you walking past, you know, their living room going into the kitchen, but I I want us to kind of reiterate. So for those, for infants, what are some of the symptoms again? Irritability. They may have a fever or they may have vomiting and diarrhea. Mm -hmm. They may just be voiding often or you may realize that there is a change in the voiding pattern that they're not passing as much urine as before or when they want to void you may realize that they start holding on to the diaper Mm -hmm. um, as well and uh, sometimes you may actually pass blood in the urine Mm. so those are some of the the signs and symptoms for infants Mm -hmm. Um, for children they may experience abdominal pain and they will be able to vocalize their symptoms so they may have abdominal pain they may have back pain or flank pain they may have a fever, they may have chills and rigors, they may also be vomiting or they may be nauseous. And with regards to bladder symptoms, they may have dysuria, or what we call burning on urination. Mm-hmm. They may have frequency where they go to the bathroom quite often, and sometimes they may just be voiding small volumes, mm. right? Or they may actually have hematuria, which is called blood in the urine or the urine may just be foul smelling. Mm-hmm. So those are some of the signs and symptoms in an older child. Right. Thank you so very much, Doc. So parents repeated them so that you can bear these things in mind and watch out, um, especially where your child or your children are concerned. If they're exhibiting these signs and symptoms, head straight to the doctor for diagnosis, of course. Now, how do we as parents, Doc, help to prevent UTI in children? I mean, is it something that's preventable? In total, there are some children who are at increased risk. Mm-hmm. So, infants or um, infant males less than six months, mm-hmm. um, in which case where the prepuce or the foreskin of the penis is very tight, mm-hmm. um, that may be a risk factor. And in some cases, circumcision may be recommended for that particular group. Oh. Um, in terms of the other groups, there are children who definitely have an increased risk compared to other children mm-hmm. because they may be born with an abnormal urinary tract. Mm-hmm. So it could be that their kidneys, they are born with their kidneys lower than where they should be. They may be closer to the bladder. Right. They may actually have a floppy um ureters or tubes that connect the kidneys, Mm -hmm. or they may have a problem where their bladder does not allow them to empty Mm. properly and they may need assistance to empty their bladder. It could be that they may also have something in their urinary tract obstructing the flow of urine. And remember, as I mentioned before, anything that um, entertains or allows the urine to stay in the urinary tract much longer than it should, mm-hmm. increases the risk of germs 
mm-hmm. growing in the urine and causing a urinary tract infection. But then there are other things that we can actually encourage our children to do. And this, the parents may have to assist with this as well. Mm-hmm. So regular voiding. Right. Um, going to the bathroom regularly could be timed voiding. Mm-hmm. Um, because especially because most of our children may be home at different points in time, they may just be glued to the television or glued to the tablet. Mm-hmm. And so they may not have any time to go to void. So time voiding is actually encouraged. Another thing is that we want to reduce the risk of constipation Mm. because constipation increases the risk of urinary tract infection. Yes. How how is that? Well, I mean, I know our body is connected, but I didn't know it was that connected. It is very what happened around there affect what happens. It's very, very connected. Can you imagine the whole bulk of stools pushing um, back uh-huh. on the bladder. So it will cause oh, okay. some amount of depression or dimpling uh-huh. on the bladder itself. And so instead of emptying all the urine, there uh-huh. may be some urine that is caught trapped. or mm. trapped um, in the areas where the stools are actually pushing in on the bladder. Mm-hmm. So that causes um, what we call stasis. So the, um, the urine stays there much longer mm-hmm. and then germs grows and you get a urinary tract infection. So avoiding both ways is critical. Um, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Interesting. You mentioned earlier that um, males six months or younger may be at risk for developing UTI, higher risk or increased risk of developing UTIs um, and a possible recommendation would be circumcision. Do you think that that's generally uh, an area that we should look into? Um, I mean, I've heard the debate before whether to circumcise or not circumcise, what is healthy or what is less healthy. What, what are your thoughts on that as it relates to um, UTI? That, that's, that's very interesting. Um, my thoughts regards to that, if it is that you have an, an infant who is less than six months and this infant keeps having urinary tract infections mm-hmm. and despite all the investigations, you're not able to ascertain um, the cause of the urinary tract infection. And when you actually look at the um, the foreskin, it's really, really tight and um, there's some ballooning of the foreskin. Mm-hmm. And in that case, that would be a recommendation. Mm-hmm. However, um, circumcision may be a personal um, choice for some parents. They may offer to um, to have their child circumcised. Mm-hmm. Others may not be able to tolerate well, I mean, what are, what are the health benefits associated with, um, with, with circumcision? It'd be more hygienic practices and okay. being able to adequately clean and clear the, um, we call it smegma, that mm-hmm. may accumulate um, mm-hmm. underneath the foreskin. Okay. All right. Um, Dr. Sandrika Young-Peart sharing so much uh, information with us this evening. What do you think we're leaving out of this interview? What critical thing do you think parents of children need to bear in mind, especially as it relates to to this critical topic here, pediatric urinary tract infections? So I also want to mention that for the infants who are still in diapers, mm-hmm. sometimes the stool can actually um, contaminate the urinary tract mm-hmm. and um, you can have organisms or germs that um, pass out in the stool mm-hmm. and those can actually migrate up into the urinary tract to cause a urinary tract infection as well. But I just want to um, to say or to encourage um, parents, to encourage their children to ensure that they practice proper hygiene 
um, proper voiding practices. Mm. And if it is that they recognize that the child is having certain symptoms, those of which I've mentioned earlier, especially dysuria, burning when they pee, maybe blood in the urine, mm. abdominal pain, fever, um, back pain, mm-hmm. um, they are actually to seek medical attention because mm. treating a urinary tract infection mm-hmm. could prevent damage to wow. the kidneys. And this sometimes, depending on the damage, mm-hmm. can actually lead to the child developing hypertension or high blood pressure. Wow. And sometimes the damage can be severe enough, um, in which case they can end up with some form of renal impairment. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. How critical is diet to what we have just mentioned a while ago? Because I'm thinking if it is that I ensure that my child has a balanced diet, enough water, the adequate amounts of water each day. I mean, like, it's just natural if it go in, it go in, come out, right? And and I mean, voiding is easier both ways, um, <laughs> number one and two, if, if the foods from the right food groups are consumed. So um, could you just make that connection a little bit stronger for me? We cannot overemphasize mm-hmm. a proper, healthy Diet. No tree tricks and bag juice. Well, I totally discourage those. Those are just like <laughs> those are like empty calories. They have no use. Oh what I do encourage is a lot of water yes. or fluids. Mm-hmm. The more you drink, the more likely you're you going go. to flush your system. Mm-hmm. The more you flush your system, the less likely that you're going to allow or give chance to um, the development of a urinary tract infection. In addition, the more water you drink, the more fruits and vegetables that you consume, Mm -hmm. it actually makes your bowels freer Mm -hmm. and reduces the risk of constipation. So it goes both ways. A lot of fluids is always encouraged. Mm -hmm. And especially if you've had a urinary tract infection or you have an abnormal urinary tract, we generally encourage lots of fluids. Mm. And if you have kidney stones, mm. that is just the only prescription that we recommend. Boy, that, fluids. I'm sorry, we're out of time. I have like two <laughs> questions. One, I'm going to ask them quickly. Um, are there myths associated with UTIs? Uh, I know Eldabas are so many. <laughs> are there risks associated with you? Myths, rather. So some people think, you know, if you sit on a public toilet seat, um, you'll catch UTI. Um, is, that, is that really a case? In terms of hygiene, hmm. depending on how you, you sit, because if you clean the area before you sit, then hmm. that should be fine. Um, as I said before, it's more the, um, the contact with the area, if the area is dirty, or if it is that you are, um, there's a possibility that stool can actually spill hmm. or make contact with the urinary um urinary tract or the urethra and possibly cause ascending Mm -hmm. infection. That would be what I would be um, somewhat concerned about. But um, other than that, just sitting on a public um, bathroom is not by itself a a recommendation. Mm -hmm. Because apart from a urinary tract infection, there could be other infections that you can actually um, The thing you know is that we know that as adults, but we're talking pediatric UTIs here, which means children may use public bathroom you know school bathrooms and they'll they'll just sit because that's the natural thing for them to do but um finally though as elder Vaz kicks me out of the studio kidney stones how do we dispel those 
So with regards to kidney stones, they are also a, a risk factor mm-hmm. for um, developing urinary tract infections because they, again, reduce the free flow of urine through the mm-hmm. urinary tract. Mm-hmm. But it depends on the type of stones. It may be related somewhat to your diet mm-hmm. or what you consume. Some may be at increased risk because they... they um, it may be inherited, right. but in other cases, uh, lots of fluids is what we encourage mm-hmm. um, to kind of help to treat um, kidney water. stones. <laughs> lots of water, a lot of water, 2.5 to 3 liters of, um, of water is what we encourage per day to treat um, kidney stones. In some cases, they, they may pass out the stones. Other mm-hmm. cases, you may require you going to an, an, another specialist to mm-hmm. kind of... Um, crush the stones and then allow you to pass them out. But in general, mm-hmm. it's amazing what just simply drinking a lot of water mm. can do for us. Dr. Sandrika young Peard, I appreciate your time this evening. Thank you so very much for making it healthy and happy. And of course, um, Elder Errol Vaz, thank you for your time, sir. And yes, we are going to go right now. Listeners, thank you so very much for keeping it locked to healthy and happy right here on NCUFM 91.13 and 5. On behalf of our hardworking production team, I'm Adis Jonas Murphy, thanking you so very much for keeping it locked. And of course, next week, we'll be back with another intriguing and interesting program. God bless you always. Jesus, you're my number one. So I will make room for you. I will prepare for two. So
cry. 